0: Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I have two pastors with me. I have Phil Proctor, who is the pastor of Sterling Presbyterian Church, an OPC church in Sterling, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And I also have John Paul Holloway. John Paul is the church planter of Acacia Reform Church in Manassas, Virginia, which is a church plant from Sterling, uh, which is one of the reasons we've got them here today to talk. And Phil and John Paul, I'm just going to jump right in uh, with a question. Maybe I could start with you, Phil. Uh, my understanding of this recent church plant in Manassas is that it wasn't something that just popped onto the scene after eight or 10 years of ministry with you guys saying, hey, we have you know too many people or we have people from Manassas. This was something that had a lot more intention from day one in Sterling that there was an emphasis on even being a brand new OPC church plant. I presume a small group of people, there was an intention about, hey, we want to be a church planting church. Could you maybe give us a little sketch of, if you can remember back to what that kind of felt like a little bit, how, how do you as a pastor in a session in a congregation, how do you communicate that? intention of being a church planting church how do people respond to it and and what is the journey like to this point where you see the lord bless that intention leading to this church plant in Manassas
1: yeah i think uh the vision has to precede the metrics and and so setting that vision from day one we want to be a church planting uh congregation having it be a part of the membership getting to know us uh Budgetary meetings, uh, surpluses are not building fund money, they are church planting money. Uh, the metrics really are just the number of people. And once we reached the metrics, we have been praying, we've been focusing on this for eight, nine years, and uh, the metrics then seem to make a lot more sense.
0: And Phil, following up, how do people like as you as you kind of have that mentality, you you mentioned some things there, you know, prayer, budget meetings, no building fund, those type of things. How do people respond to that intention and mentality from early on? Obviously, you know, it takes people time to kind of get in that flow. But did it develop to the point where it became contagious in the congregation and people were looking forward even before you guys knew about Manassas and John Paul and all that? Was there some expectation. Are there bumps in the road? Like, what was the dynamic like with people, you know, kind of catching that vision as you guys tried to to lead? There's going to be a vision. Uh, either it's the
1: sessions' vision or it's the loudest person in the congregation's vision. Um, and so, when someone comes to a new church, what's you know, are they looking for us to? buy our own building and get property and become quote-unquote established. Well, if we're setting our vision clearly on day one, then they're probably going to move on down the road. Vice versa, if someone has a real passion for evangelism, for seeing uh, people reached, and we tell them, hey, this is our DNA, this is what we're about, then they get on board, and and so it does. It's a it's a reciprocal, uh, positive loop.
0: So, John Paul, let me let me jump ahead to, to to today. I don't know what your story is. How you got familiar with Sterling? I don't know if you were part of the congregation or what. But could you tell us how you got exposed to the opportunity to plant a church? And what that dynamic was like, as you kind of heard about, whether you were from inside or coming in from the outside, as you heard about Sterling's vision and this mentality, and you got to know people and and see this dynamic. Just give us a little sketch of when you arrive on the scene and how it leads to the point that you're now out there as the church planter in Manassas.
2: Uh, Yeah, so uh, that started with a phone call from John Shaw. Uh, The the first thing you should know about me is that I'm a Texan, and uh, I'll talk about it frequently uh, to the annoyance of others, Uh, but uh, I was, uh, after completing seminary in Philadelphia, I went back and did a year-long internship in San Antonio, Texas, uh, and it was my hope to uh, find a church in Texas uh, because I I love Texas. Uh, that's where all uh, my and my wife's family is. Uh, but uh, after that year-long internship was over, I was looking at calls and there um, you know, not a lot was was coming up that looked like a good fit for me. Um, and I was seeking different advice uh, from uh, other men. Uh, and John Shaw gave me a call and said, hey, I, I know you love Texas, but I'd like you to talk to uh, this guy named Phil Proctor uh, who's in, Virginia and I just told him, John, I, I don't think I'm going to want to move to Virginia. And uh, uh, he said, Well, you know, just just give Phil a call and and see how it goes. And so I I called Phil and uh, Phil said, You seem great. Uh, do you want to? How about I fly your family out to come meet the church? Uh, and I I said, Okay. Well, I I don't know that I'm going to do this, but <laughs> I'll come out and meet you. So uh, Phil flew us uh, out, me and my family, and. They had the church had really uh, spent some time thinking about how to uh, get the church to get to know me, and for me to get to meet this group of people who were excited about planting a church. Once I met those people and spent a week with them, uh, with getting to know them with my family, it was just very clear. uh, This is where the Lord uh, was calling me. They were excited, had this vision, uh, and. You know, a palpable excitement for planting a church. There was already a, a group of people who lived out in this area, and so uh, we, we jumped at the chance to do that. And um, are thankful the Lord brought us here.
0: Phil, it uh, it strikes me in just thinking about that. If you have this intention over, I think you mentioned eight years, maybe you know Sterling is kind of thinking about this from day one. As a session, when you're thinking about a man, I I assume uh, maybe you guys should just confirm this before I get into this question. Is this a mother-daughter church plant, or is this like a Presbytery Committee church plant? It's a a mother-daughter. Okay, so uh, in a mother-daughter church plant, my question was going that direction, Phil. When you're thinking about a man for this work, you've had this intention, and I'm thinking about other OPC congregations and thinking about church planting, are there things in particular, maybe maybe one or two of them we could imagine are obvious, but are there things that you're looking for in calling a man to a church plant that are even distinct from just a man's qualifications for, for ministry of a you know existing church? Were there things in particular that you as a session had thought about and talked about that you were looking for in all candidates, but in particular in John Paul?
1: So our candidate process actually was pretty brief. Uh, We as a session determined that I would reach out to John Shaw and Alger Carrico. And the reason is because I've worked with those brothers for years and know them and trust them. They know me and they know my personality and my quirks. And so when they recommended uh, a couple of names to me, and told me why they thought it would be a good fit for me, that immediately caused me to, to start down that path. So when we brought John Paul up here, it wasn't really to find out if we liked John Paul. Uh, we were going very much on John and Al's recommendation. But when we called John Paul up here, it was very much to find out, did he think... That this is the kind of ministry that he would thrive in.
0: So that that's interesting, John Paul. Did you um, were you aware of that coming in, or like what was your experience like? You know, uh, as I ask these questions, I'm thinking about other listeners that you know are in similar situations. Was that something you were aware of? Did you get a sense of that, or was it just first time in and just trying to figure figure things out, John Paul?
2: Oh, uh, I definitely felt vetted. <laughs> I would say. Um, I don't think I, actually, I think at the uh, one of the the meetings that was hosted at uh, the church planting elders home, who is who is now gone to be with the Lord, uh, Mark Rogers hosted a, a meeting and uh, I was grilled for maybe like an hour and a half uh, with tons of questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like it, there there was a little bit more of a process of them seeing, is this the guy that we want? Uh, and, and I, But of course, I was thinking as well about, is, is this a place where the Lord is calling
0: me? And John Paul, your your story that you mentioned about, you know, you and your family loving Texas and having family in Texas and, you know, kind of desiring if the Lord would open doors there, but then in the Lord's providence, he doesn't. That, that's a pretty common story. And it's actually, I don't get the question, like with Outward OPC, but I know John Shaw and Altra Carrico you know, get that question. I've been to church planting conferences a lot and, and hear discussions. What would you, how would you encourage men who are maybe in the same category thinking about, they have a natural bent, whether family-wise or just culture-wise to so a certain area, doors don't open. How, how would you encourage men to think about that? And what was that like for you and your wife? I don't know if you had children at the time or if you have children now. What was it like for your family to, to kind of make that shift? Mentally and emotionally as you saw the doors open and you know be kind of open to that.
2: Yeah, that's a tough question um, You know, we did we did it prayerfully uh, we talked with both my parents and her parents uh, and and thought through uh, What would this look like if the Lord was calling us here? You know, I I told uh, people at this church plant. This is a place. I would never choose to, to move <laughs> to uh, of my own volition It's, uh, you know, a a busy cultural culture place. It's kind of outside the D.C. metro area. Uh, People are very career focused and busy as opposed to uh, Texas, uh, where life is much slower. uh, And I would say more family focused in some ways. But, yeah, we we, uh, came out and saw it and, and. you know, I do really feel like we we kind of viewed it like be, being missionaries. Like this is a mission field, and there there are certain advantages uh, to that. Uh, we, we are very much outsiders to this area, and and we think like outsiders to this area. We're not uh, insiders here, uh, and so that gives us some natural connection with other people who are outsiders to this area, and uh, we think about things and see things a little differently there. Um, I think encouragement to to men who are thinking about this is a few things I was looking for in, in um, a church that I would go and pastor. I, I'm young. Uh, we do have uh, children uh, pretty fresh out of seminary. I, I had done one internship uh, after seminary. I did one during and then one after. Uh, but I know that I'm young, and so I was looking for a church with men who could uh, give wisdom, uh, and, and mentor uh, me. And, and I found that in the session at Sterling and in Phil Proctor. Uh, so that was a huge plus uh, for me for, for this position. Yeah, I think the other, the other thing is I would just be uh, encouraging men to be thinking about uh, where, where the Lord uh, and whether the Lord is calling them to a particular place, uh, to think careful about, carefully about that, because it, it often, I think, is very different than what we expect.
0: If I can uh, switch gears just a little bit, I'm going to ask both of you this question about each of your churches, but I'm going to start with you, Phil. Um, people have heard from you. It's been a while since we've heard from you on Outward OPC, but we have done a couple stories in the past about your approach to evangelism and outreach, your approach to loving your neighbor you know, in Sterling and just developing a bit of a culture of openness and evangelism and reaching people There. I wonder if we could revisit that because it has been a while and people who are listening may not be familiar with those resources. Could you sketch out maybe conceptually, but also some examples of uh, things that you focused on both as a family and as a congregation in Sterling to kind of develop this sort of culture of evangelism and and sort of the contagiousness of that for the people coming into Sterling?
1: Yeah, so... First is that we want to show hospitality to strangers. And so everything that we do, whether it be a Thanksgiving meal, <clears throat> a couple of times a year, we do a cookout in our neighborhood where we just, my entire contribution is a bag of charcoal and my my grill. And people bring their own food, drinks, everything. But we're always inviting people from the church to come and just share and be nice and friendly and loving and welcome people into our home. And that really has fueled a lot of the growth. And I think that's why Sterling does, is pretty much made up of people from the Sterling area as opposed to people that drive long distances to get here. But Our problem as Christians is not that we don't know enough people. All of us have enough contacts. Our problem as Christians is not being winsome, not being intentional uh, about those things. So hospitality evangelism has always been huge for us. Uh, But also, uh, I like the, the app called Meetup, and it's this subscription thing where you can create your own group you can host it and so we've hosted three different groups uh over the course of the past few years one is an introduction to reformed christianity and it's really aimed at people that are already believers but just don't know what it what this reformed stuff is about and uh, so that's been something that has drawn a lot of interest over the years and then another is specifically aimed at atheists so it's called northern virginia christians answer your questions and and so some of the young men in our congregation have really taken ownership of that and meet on a monthly basis with uh whoever wants to show up but there there does seem to be two or three guys that are regular uh in attending and this has been going on for years Um, another one was just sort of a more general dinner and discussion, uh, kind of a thing where we would toss out, uh, an idea and, and bat it around. And then I would kind of step in and try to point it towards the scriptures, you know, solution to this ethical dilemma or whatever. So, so those are, those have been tools that we used, but really it's just, getting to know your neighbors, inviting them into your home, getting to know the people at the grocery store, just the the contacts
0: that we all have. And Phil, you mentioned there that, uh, you, you mentioned sort of in passing that a lot of people at the church are from the Sterling area and not driving far. W- would you say that that sort of slow and steady hospitality as you know, more people see it happening in the church and start to do it on their own and you can kind of do it collectively as a congregation, is that how people have become aware of your church and visited your church? Are there a lot of people coming from website and things like that? Or is it more the dynamic of just this slow, steady, consistent, get to know people, not rush them into the church, have them in your home several times type of approach? How, how have people uh, ended up coming into Sterling, particularly those that maybe stayed? Yeah, that's a great question. I've I try to stay on top of the answer to that very
1: question. It, you know, what is effective and and where are we kind of spinning our wheels? And uh, I would say it's probably 50-50 between people that have uh, connections already within the congregation. But then the other 50% are people that are searching for us online. And so we've had a lot of people that have come in in response to theological drift uh, in their own uh, denominations. That's kind of been, it's a mixed blessing because we're having to do a lot of discipleship. What is confessionalism? What is Presbyterianism without being, you know, there, there's there's an awful lot of buzzwords or, or code language uh, that we have that, when you use it with someone else and their eyes glaze over, you realize, oh, the, you know, the, I need to, I need to drill down to the scriptural basis of, of what we're saying here. So it's great. I mean, it, it helps us. It helps us be more focused in terms of communicating clearly and and winsomely. But also, uh, it, it's it's a it's a blessing.
0: So, John Paul, if I could switch to you with a similar question, Uh, obviously a much younger church and going for a shorter period of time. But I'm interested in, uh, let's start with, uh, you took a group from Sterling who was living in the Manassas area. How big was that group? And how did you all go about, you know, continuing on this intention of creating sort of an open, evangelistically minded, outreach oriented congregation from early on, and what does that look like? How have you worked that out, both conceptually and maybe, you know, a story or two about specifics that you've uh, tried and seen work?
2: Yeah, um, good question. Um, uh, So one thing that that certainly was true for this group, the group was about, uh, we ended up taking around 40 people, uh, that's adults and kids all together, about 13 Uh, different uh, family units, some of them just individual uh, people for that, but uh, that was our core group. Um, We did have, you know, some of them even uh, go back to Sterling. They came for us for a little while, kind of dipped their toe into church planting, um, you know, decided not for any reason of not liking me or other people, but uh, decided to go back. Uh, The Phil's uh, fingerprints and that culture of hospitality was all over these people um, when they came with us uh, to, to do this church plant. So already in the seed group, there was a, a strong focus on uh, having people in their homes, uh, caring for one another, uh, doing meal trains for each other. and uh, here, that is just very countercultural. Uh, in Northern Virginia, people do not have each other over uh, for for uh, non-entertainment kind of dinners. Uh, I would argue they actually rarely go into each other's homes. They'll go to restaurants and things like that. But, um, you know, that is very inviting when other people come and see that. And so the first thing we did before we when I was just at Sterling, uh, I came in March of 21. uh, And I think the original goal was for us to begin the church plant in summer or fall of 22. We ended up moving that up to January of 22. Uh, But we began a a Sunday evening Bible study in area homes out in this area uh, that was um, focused on, uh, it was going through the Gospel of John uh, and it was focused on evangelism from the Gospel of John. From day one with this group, um, we have tried to focus on uh, how do we share the the, the gospel with our neighbors. Uh, do you know your neighbors' names? It's it's things that you guys talk about a lot on on this podcast, but things that you have to continually remind people of. Oh, you know, if you don't know your neighbors' names, how are you praying for them? How do you know whether they're Christians or not? Do you? And so continuing to to do that, and as as we did that, as we began, uh, you know, praying in that way, that the Lord would give us opportunities to reach out to neighbors and friends, suddenly the opportunities start appearing, and and people who maybe were, I mean, I've I had some people in the group say, you know, I've I've never seriously considered evangelism in my Christian life, um, and suddenly, you know, as part of doing a church plant, they realize, oh, I'm I'm called to share the gospel with uh, with my neighbors. I you know maybe i need to tell my neighbors uh that i'm a christian or tell my coworkers that i'm a christian because uh, sometimes in this area that's something that you know christians are hateful bigots or uh you know ignorant uh and you don't want to be seen that way so there are some people who downplay the fact that they're they're committed christians so i you know encourage them uh to those basic things let people know that you're a christian uh let them know that you they can people can talk to you about your faith and that you're interested in those kind of questions. So uh, as we developed into a, a, a more cohesive group, that it, it, uh, we just had a, a good number of people and a good uh, amount of momentum. And uh, Phil asked me, I think in September, what do you think about trying to launch in January? And uh, the word uh, provided, and we were able to.
0: Well, this has been great, guys. We thank you for your time and, and talking about these things. And I, I think people uh, both, in church plants, thinking about church plants, or just living their Christian life will be appreciative of hearing about these two works and the mother-daughter relationship. So we're thankful for you being here, and thanks for taking the time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources, and you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.